0: How did you get Lionel Messi to wear your shirt?
1: I managed to get a couple of tickets for the Champions League game. It kind of led on from there. We sent four packages. We had one for Iniesta, one for Luis Suarez, one for Xavi, one for Leo Messi. I got a text message on the Christmas Eve. Messi's on his way back to Argentina on his private jet and he's been pictured at the airport in Barcelona with your black signature t-shirt on.
0: Trials, tribulations, mistakes, barriers, successes, and failures. Hear it here firsthand from those that have grown billion-dollar businesses to those that are just starting out. Winner of the Campaign Publishing Award for Best Business Podcast in the UK, Successes in the Mind is the only place where you can get a sense of business reality in a world full of idealism. Everyone claims to be an entrepreneur, but can everyone live up to the title? What does it take to start a business, to get your product into a high street store, or grow a well-managed team? I'm Oliver Bruce, founder and entrepreneur myself. Join me as I interview business leaders and founders from across the globe, delving into what makes them tick, their differentiators and intrinsic motivators. This is Success Is In The Mind. Success Is In The Mind is proud to be sponsored by Coronation Wealth Management, a professional service providing tailored financial advice to business owners, entrepreneurs, managers and clients looking to grow and protect their wealth or reach their financial goals. The team at Coronation Wealth provides services including retirement, investment, protection, and business planning. To find out more, go to coronationwealth.co.uk. On today's show, we've two former Scottish footballers Mark Cochran and Stephen Robb, a duo who regard themselves not as former footballers, but fashion designers and entrepreneurs who have turned a bedroom startup into a global streetwear brand. With celebrity endorsements and social posts from the likes of Lionel Messi, Craig David, and Liner Duty's very own, Martin Compton. Be Inspired clothing of nearly a million followers on Facebook and some 250,000 on Instagram. We all know how competitive and cutthroat the fashion, sports, and streetwear world can be, so from playing football to designing garments, how did they do it? Be Inspired, which launched in 2013, is based out of Glasgow, and I want to know, how hard can it be? Surely it's not as easy as giving Lionel Messi a shirt and hoping for the best. Are they on track to be the next Gymshark? Let's find out. Mark, Stephen, welcome to the show. No well, you're welcome. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us, guys. So things are going pretty well for you guys at the moment. You've been featured in a lot of national press. You guys have had celebrities wearing um, your clothing, but actually you've also got a 66,000 square foot distribution centre. And Stephen, I know you mentioned earlier on that actually you're looking at potentially changing the model because of COVID. What does that look like?
1: Going into COVID, obviously, like, the business be growing at like, a crazy rate. And uh, we took on this big warehouse and we had the whole business working under one roof. So we had our designers, uh, office staff, marketing team, customer service. It was bolted on right to the distribution center. Since lockdown, then everybody's kind of went their separate ways a little bit. And we've found that model of working from home has worked really well. It was it, we're kind of looking at other options at the moment, just to, especially with the, the whole Brexit thing that's kicked in as well. Um, we've we found we found issues sending product to the EU, so it's it's potentially a a good option for us as well, and maybe in future that we could look at an EU warehouse and or even also. 20% of our business is in the US now. So there's another option that it's just trying to make us more flexible. We, we used
2: to obviously like pile up stock and then try and sell it off. Whereas um, since we've had like a financial director come into the business um, to help us, he's been like, well, you need to maybe turn over stock a little bit quicker than like storing it for such a long period of time. So we really try to like sell through stock quickly now rather than like we would just maybe do it on a three-month period. of get all the stock in, then sell it over that three months. Have a sale at the end, three month sort of three-month period. So we'd hold a lot of stock, whereas now it's like a six-month, a uh, sorry, six-week turnaround where we're trying to like get stock in, sell it, get stock in, sell it. So th- there's never like a big build-up of stock like there was before. With our lack of experience, we sort of end up going one way, and we've have had conversations with ourselves and and other sort of more expertise, and and we're looking to maybe sort of streamline the business in another way.
0: Because you guys, obviously, you were sportsmen before you were businessmen, I suppose, but you, you, you obviously don't know what you don't know. So why did you make that decision two, three years ago to bring in a financial director, having had a good five years of business and a great growth? Why did you then go, actually, now's the time to bring in an FD so that we can have a, a look at other areas and reassess?
2: Just like you say, having expertise that you don't know. I think we were maybe getting approached by a few people saying, oh, can we invest here or oh, can we get involved here? And, and and a few sort of companies are approaching us and, and me and Stephen had no idea about that sort of side of things. And and, and like you say, we, we played football really we just liked making things. And then we've got like a, a marketing sort of guy that we met along the way and he's become a, a fundamental part of the business, Andrew. And and he was brilliant at selling them. So me and Robbo liked clothes. We liked making things and he was brilliant at selling them. And it, it really just grew for that. And then everything else, we've sort of like winged it. And, and we probably got to a point where it just grew and grew and grew. And then it didn't become out of control. It was just like, we are not really sure if... We, we probably need somebody to help us steer us a little bit better of like budgets and, and marketing budgets and, and, and buying budgets. Like sometimes we may be overbuying stock in certain areas on and maybe, underspending and marketing or overspending the market and not buy enough stock. And we just felt that somebody with a little bit more expertise and uh, that ha- been a financial director in a company that was very successful and, and, and he'd done very well was, would, just, would just help us, guide us in the right
0: direction. And, and before, I suppose, you, you actually went into figuring out what you wanted to do and where you guys are now, you were running around a field, kicking a ball backwards and forwards. You know how did you, how did you get into the world of football and what was your childhood like to, to get there? And then why did you jump ship at the end? I think,
1: I think it wasn't a case of jumping ship at the end it was a case of our time was up
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: we got kicked off we got kicked off the ship rather than jumped off because
0: <laughs> well, you, you joined the football world late though, didn't you Stephen you came in at 24-ish I mean oh, was that yourself Mark you came in at, uh,
2: that, was, uh, that was myself
0: you were a Labour before weren't you? You, you you said I've had some <laughs> jobs in my time carrying planks of wood across the yard all day what what else did you do
2: well I went, I went to the university and I worked as a cocktail barman I worked behind a meat counter in test schools like I did some pretty pretty bad jobs like I like, thought like it was Tom Cruise from cocktail for a while <laughs> <laughs> that's what I pretended I was man. Um, but nah like I did, I did some and then obviously I got into football and yeah. um, see I, I probably like Rob probably worked hard and got unfortunate. I, I probably didn't apply myself as much as I could have at football. But everyone said to me, "Oh, do you not want to be a football?" And I was like, no, "I didn't really know what they meant." Like, obviously, I loved it. And and I, I, I looking at the business now, I, I don't want to fall short of anything. So I put even more effort into this than and then I probably did in football. So I've learned from. So I'm maybe I, I reached a height, but I maybe could have gone further. And like you look back and go, I should have done more, whereas I don't want to feel like that in business. I want to make sure that I put everything into it to make sure we can go as far as we possibly can.
0: So who came up with with the idea fundamentally?
2: Um, probably Stephen to start with. And
0: what made you want to start a clothing brand or a streetwear brand then, Stephen? What went through your head? And I probably just enjoyed like, kind of like a little bit of that deal Boy feel of buying and selling. <laughs> I, I've
1: always I've always kind of enjoyed that. if I could buy a bottle of coke for 50p and sell it to somebody for a pound 50 I'd be buzzing lovely (laughs) but but like I've always enjoyed that side of things so I was playing in Thailand at the time and I kind of got in touch with a few manufacturers and stuff like that over there and I was just kind of wondering about the streets and seeing what they were selling on the streets and like there was loads of t-shirts and just just clothing product accessories and I'm thinking like I wonder if we could like send these back to the UK and then I think I've said this before to Mark. It's like, see, in football, you don't really keep in touch with loads of guys. But what you do is you like, when you, you have got a connection with somebody, you do keep in touch with that. Me and Mark, obviously, he was in Inverness at the time playing for Ross County and I was playing in Bangkok, which is a completely different world. <laughs> so,
0: you know what I mean? so you obviously were out in Bangkok. You you, you realised that actually buying and selling was quite exciting. It, you, you said that you started the business on 300 quid and, and maybe if you were out there, that's true. But I couldn't see how you started your business with that much money. Is that true? Yes, 300 pounds each. Oh, oh, 600 quid. Ah, that makes more sense.
1: We designed four
0: t-shirts on
1: our, on our iPhones. Right, okay. We managed to get the The file was, we managed to create a, a printing file that was just good enough quality to print on a t-shirt. Made some labels uh, for the the insides of your, your t-shirt. Hang some hang tags with the money and then we kind of got uh, a factory to give us 25 each of a style. Managed to normally a minimum order would be 100, 100 200 plus of a style
0: how did you do that was it because you were playing for their football team
1: no it was i'd just been kind of like networking over there and, and amongst like the wholesalers and I met an Italian guy who I still speak to today uh, we don't make our we don't make our stuff there anymore but like uh I still keep in touch with the guy and he he's now actually growing at the same kind of rate that we have and he's making for brands like Puma and champion
0: and in terms of how you then scaled it so you were Shifting this stuff on eBay, you look online at you guys now, you've, you've got Messi, you've got Craig David, you've got the chat from Line of Duty that's wearing your brands. You know, that has propelled you guys into, into the stratosphere in terms of people that actually understand who you guys are. When you started, did you just pull on a load of, you know, favours from mates in the world of football, tell them to wear your garments and put it on social media? Or was that kind of before that world existed?
2: it was probably just as that world was taken off. So we, like we in that respect, we probably got a little bit lucky. So like you say, Stephen was over in Thailand and he was sending the product to, to me in the UK. And um, this was right initially at the beginning. So we'd set up a website. Stephen was kind of like the manufacturing side. And then I was like, basically the distribution side and then we and then we were sending it to like people in Scottish football like Stephen Naismith, Scott Brown, boys that we'd probably played against that had kind of gone on to do better than ourselves and had a bit more of a high profile and it was mainly sort of Facebook at that time and we were just like sending them product they were like promoting it for us and like say the first hundred t-shirts i think we sold out within a week um and we just had like i think it was just a facebook site at that point Steve, wasn't it um,
1: yeah just a facebook i think we maybe started on instagram but instagram like we're going back to 2013 yeah, yeah. i don't think instagram was that prominent
0: yeah yeah there certainly wasn't influencers. no
2: no certainly not and and we sold that out and we just basically reinvested all the money out of those hundred t-shirts into another like 200 t-shirts and we, and we probably did that for like, we didn't take any money, didn't really touch any of the money, just really invested everything for the first six months.
1: we were probably fortunate because we had our recruitment jobs and our part-time football money that it wasn't our be all. We weren't trying to survive off that money.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean a lot of it does sound as you rightly alluded to Stephen quite lucky I mean it sounds like you've just kind of gone from success to success really and the question on everybody's lips and I mean literally everybody's lips is how did you get Lionel Messi to wear your shirt?
1: So just kind of through football connections with Dundee uh, United um, I was speaking to Andy Robertson uh, from Liverpool I managed to get a couple of tickets for a Champions mm-hmm. League game I was just chatting to a few people I managed to get in uh, touch with uh phil coutinho's brother uh i got i got chatting to his brother and it kind of led on from there it was like we would already and he was actually an active customer <laughs> so we'd sent a package down to the guys and it turned out obviously that two weeks later that coutinho had moved to barcelona so mm-hmm. still keeping in touch with his brother um i just sent him a we message oh, can we send over some more stuff to now that he's in Barcelona, because his his brother just followed him about. We sent four packages. We'd made them up in the warehouse the next day. We had one for Iniesta, one for Sua- Luis Suarez, one for Xavi, one for Leo Messi, and I'm mm-hmm. I mean, sorry, and another one for Coutinho. For not forgetting about him. These were sent over to the Barcelona guys. So about two weeks later, it was probably a wee bit later than that. We, there was a picture of Luis Suarez wearing the stuff. We got a few, we got a few photos. It was uh, he not in
2: Iniesta's video, zabi's video, or something?
1: The... Yeah, I think it was. I think it was Iniesta's uh, leaving leaving video. Uh, like they had done like a, a thing on the Barcelona page, and Suarez had the had the t shirt with a big logo on the front of it. I got a text message on the Christmas Eve to say Messi's, uh, Messi's on his way back to Argentina on his private jet, and he's been pictured at at the airport in barcelona with your uh yeah your, your black signature t-shirt on and then i got obviously like looking on instagram and yeah. he was he's just constantly getting tagged and stuff so obviously he was getting photos with the uh, like stewards at the airport and stuff like that and mm-hmm. here he was with a t-shirt on everybody was saying so straight away, away at christmas we're we're posting this thinking this is amazing and then mm-hmm. you get the the comments on oh, it's photoshopped, photoshopped it's photoshop's not real and it's like well it's on instagram i've not done it now. it's just there Do you know it's <laughs> yeah, So yeah. Smart.
0: smart. In terms of actually the the issues with the prototypes though and the creating of the first product, surely it can't have been the first product was the product that you liked and the product that worked there must have been some serious issues at the initial stage
1: yeah I think that I think
0: even even now we still have
1: issues with 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 things across the business initially we, we were in because uh, we were working at Mark's flat for the first uh, the first 10 months so even before we got our first office. So we had very little overheads to start with. We'd went from t-shirts to jumpers, to sweatshirts. We'd kind of invested all our money into this batch of like, I think it was like five, 600 t-shirts and say 100, 200 sweatshirts. So the sweatshirts arrived by DHL and they arrived and Mark got them out of the box and Mark tied them on and the neck was huge on the, it was almost like a women's off the shoulder crew top
2: <laughs> we were devastated weren't we
1: oh. We were gutted absolutely gutted we're like what we're we going to do we're not going to be able to sell these the factory wasn't really playing ball they were like oh we'll remake them for you it's like you still got to pay shipping costs stuff like that so the next batch of t-shirts were arriving later that day there was like it was our biggest order of the day and it was like five huge boxes that came in from thailand dhl Literally, like we opened the the boxes and we had the t-shirts out. And we had the we had them on. I think it was me, Mark, and Mark's wife, and uh, we're literally jumping about because we were so happy that these t-shirts were perfect. We're like, we can we can, we can keep going. We can survive. So no!
2: Like if these come in in an could, oh we're dead. Yeah. Did
0: that offset the loss that you made from the um, the women's wear jumpers? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally, yeah. <laughs> so. How much was that then? Can you remember how much that cost you? The, the jumpers
2: alone was probably like a couple of thousand pounds. Which obviously to that at that point was massive.
1: At that time, it was just ever We were literally just investing like everything into the,
0: the business. And how did you go about brokering that then with the factory? They made the mistake. They were being a bit tricky. They said they'd remake them, but they'll remake them wrong.
1: I'll reiterate, this wasn't my Italian mate, by the way. This was the first time we used someone else.
0: <laughs> so what, what, what happened? What was the plan there? How did you manage to mitigate that? Did they, did they remake them? I, th- I think they remade
1: them, and I think the neck went from out here to even just in a little bit. It's <laughs> <They're> still massive. <laughs> yeah, it's still pretty big guy. I think we managed to take a hit on the second batch, and we kind of just re- like recuperate the funds, and we just kind of like, we've done that a lot. We just go again, we constantly, we always say that. It's kind of our motto, it's like, we go again, we go again. It's like, every time there's a new season comes, it's like, all right, brilliant last season's done, let's go again. I think that's, we're quite positive like that.
0: And in terms of actually opening up new lines, new product lines, new sort of styles, who's in charge of that then? Is that you guys that go, we're going to do some trackies now, we're going to do some jumpers here, we're going to do some some tees here? Or is that, have you got a team around you now that come up with those ideas?
2: I think obviously initially, uh, the first few years, everything was me and Stephen and Drew. And as we've grown, we've we've got a team together. So we've got like garment technologists, we've got designers. And, and we obviously sit around in, a, in a, a meeting and say, well, we're going to try this, we're going to try this, we're going to try this. But it really does, at the end of the day, come down to uh, me and Stephen what kind of products we want to make.
0: Do you actually spend much time in the business anymore? Have you got a team around you guys that are able to run this without you guys being too hands on?
2: To be honest, it's, it's kind of still our main focus, isn't it? I, I know, like we, we, we with COVID, we don't we don't go in every day, and I've just got a young family now, so we go on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but like literally twenty four seven, we're we're still focused on the business.
1: Do you know what I mean? I think I think we've always tried to make like the weekends where it's like a little bit of downtime, but you're never off your phone. Literally, like, you're just engrossed in it.
2: See, because you've got a phone now, you're your like, office 24-7, isn't it? Because you've got your phone in your hands.
0: Yeah. I mean, how do you break up your day? How do you manage your day? How do you get out of bed in the morning? You've had a really bad day. You've had some garments that have come over from your new manufacturer. The neckline's too big. How do you actually make sure that you kind of keep motivating yourself, keep pushing yourself forwards, and keep innovating?
2: again from my point of view i've I've got a 15 month old daughter so i don't really have any choice <laughs> <laughs> she's she's in there like right let's let's get up and i'm like okay and obviously that's why you do everything do you know what I mean
1: i've probably also seen like this uh, kind of like the the key members of staff that we have now we do have quite a small team still and it's uh like the designers have been working on different collections and we are collection focused at the moment. So we've got a sustainable range that's coming out. It's our first step into sustainability. Um, So the guys have been working hard on that. So we're doing the photo shoots and the content for that over the last couple of days. So you can see even the girls like posting on LinkedIn and social media themselves saying, oh, here's sustainable stuff's coming out soon. We've been working hard. This is our subject zero uh, range that's going to be coming out. you can see the buzz that they get for the brand now as well yeah
2: i think like Stephen was saying with the the motivation is that the buzz that we've created this like tight knit team that everyone's really invested in all the product the brand everything so everyone gets a real buzz of like when something's coming out, something new, especially like the sustainable collection, or we just launched women's collection recently, mm-hmm, so that, um, and 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 then we've maybe got like a big jackets collection, and, and everyone's working on the product and the marketing for it, so everyone's really got this excitement of when that when that's launching, so that that keeps you going. Do you know what I mean.
0: Our sponsors, Coronation Wealth Management, provide a professional service providing tailored financial advice to business owners, entrepreneurs, managers, and clients looking to grow and protect their wealth or reach their financial goals. The owners of a dental practice turned to Coronation Wealth for help with their retirement planning, and this is how Coronation Wealth helped them.
1: We turned to Chris and the team at Coronation Wealth for help with planning our retirement. With Chris's experience and advice, we built a plan to achieve the level of income required to maintain our lifestyle.
0: Coronation Wealth Management LLP is an appointed representative of and represents only St. James's Place Wealth Management PLC, which is authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority for the purpose of advising solely on the group's wealth management products and services. More details of which are set out on the group's website, www.sjp.co.uk forward slash products. So how big is your team now then? 25. I think over twenty five, and over the last eight years, you've taken an FD on in the last two years. How how has that grown? How has that scaled? You've reinvested the money in the first couple of years. At what point did you start to actually believe that the business has a future in terms of good money, and it would be classed as a rather than a micro business, a a a sort of um a, a business, an SME to a certain extent.
2: Probably the second and third year, or oh boy, like I think, I think what the, the the first sort of Black Friday was a bit of an like we just sort of been ticking over, and then the first Black Friday, it it wasn't even really a thing again. We kind of got the start of that sort of Black Friday phenomenon, and um, it, it wasn't anything like it probably wasn't even a day sales what we're doing the now, but like back then it was like massive, and it just like we just woke up to all these orders and we're like holy.
0: Crab, it was I me, you, wasn't it? It was just yeah, me and you.
2: The way we did things, eh? Like you had to just
0: like copy and paste everything. Can you remember the numbers? Can you remember how much you made in your first year? I think it was
1: about a hundred and twenty thousand, maybe in our first year, and then and then it was like five hundred k the second year.
0: And then when did you break that million mark? Oh, quite quickly. Like after
1: that, it was literally like we jumped. I need to look back. But I'm sure it was like three million, five million, eleven.
0: So how do you guys build a global brand? And how do you guys look at obviously going overseas, going into America, going into the new territories, e-commerce, you know, everyone can do e-commerce, but it's actually about breaking into that market. Amazon helps hugely. But how do you set it up and scale it to be able to actually execute it? To be honest,
2: probably like we've done everything, we just sort of winged it. Just we were like, right, we want to go to America, and we just sort of went for
1: it. Do you know what I mean? Like, and and then we just try and make it work as you go along. These these countries that we entered, that like there was no strategy in place, and I think that's what we're I, aiming towards over the next five years is actually building a strategy of like this is our going to be our plan, our market plan in this country. Uh, at the beginning, it was a case of just like let's throw up our adverts or content or our videos from our photo shoots and let's just go from there and we'll just see see who what country gains traction a little bit. Um, and that's kind of how we, we initially started to scale.
0: Do you think you guys could have done it without each other? You know, Stephen on your own, Mark on your own. Could you have done this? We were just discussing
1: this yesterday. So I think it's good to have somebody to bounce ideas
0: off and see if there's any problems
1: or, like, any like worries about anything or, like, see if you've only got that bagged up yourself. It's not easy. But, like. I think with the fact you've got a mate that you or a, and a business partner that you can actually say, like, oh, what do you think about this? And we bicker a lot. Like, uh, I think the girls will t- and the guys will tell you in the office, like, me, me and them are like, oh, I don't agree with that. But then, like, a minute later, it's forgot about.
0: Who's right, though, Stephen? <laughs> Who's always right? Is it you or is it Mark?
1: I think you'll think the other guy on the call thinks he's always.
0: <laughs> it's probably. I reckon. I reckon it's 50 Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. To be fair, that nah, it's pretty 50
2: We probably both offer different things, and I, I think we both could have done something and been successful with it. But I think we would always been
1: more successful the two of us mm-hmm. together. And
0: what? So, what do you bring to it, Stephen? What? What's your skill set in terms of what's your skill set versus Mark's?
1: i probably. I'm probably like the more positive one like i'm like oh. Like- well you
0: turned up to this zoom you turned up to this podcast on time and had all the kit you know positive organized witty well there you go there's there's what <laughs> oh he's left <laughs> where's he go gone on. i'm away see you later no no mark what was your <laughs> what do you bring to the to the team what's your skill set that stephen doesn't necessarily have
2: i don't know i think i'm more like um a bit more creative but like pat like fashion focused like with the product and stuff like that i think like the the product's really my passion uh, and steven's very good at he's probably a little bit more commercial minded with the product and he's he's good at like he's better with figures and and sort of organizing things that way He's certainly more organized than
0: I am Mm -hmm. and I mean in terms of I know appreciate Stephen's just jumped off briefly but we'll, we'll carry it on because it just proves that it's not scripted but in terms of looking back over the last eight years or so Mark at kind of the business as a whole what's been your key kind of takeaway key lessons that that you have physically learned that that maybe you didn't realize at the time
2: I don't think he can get too down when things aren't going well do you know what i mean or too up when things are are going good because like Stephen was saying earlier there's always like there's always a kink in the road going forward like initially like everything was going amazing and Things were flying and you're like, this is never go-. And then obviously Brexit hit and you're like, oh, I've got to deal with that. And then you're like, it's a bit of a worry. And then COVID's hit and you're like, oh, I've got to deal with that. But there's always a way to deal with things, you know what I mean? And, and, and having both of us there to bounce each other off and relying on each other has definitely helped um, through any sort of difficult periods.
0: How did you manage and, and sort of navigate the waters of Brexit?
2: Ah, uh, well, that's the thing. It was very, very difficult because nobody really knew... We- the main issue has obviously been getting the product from ourselves to the customer um, in Brexit and obviously customer confidence with um, sort of the taxes and duties that they now have to pay, which they didn't before. But... Um, yeah that even the even the courier companies didn't know so we just really had to set ourselves in a position that we felt as though we had everything ready ready to go and 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 we did work with the courier companies in that but then at at the final hurdles some of the courier companies have even struggled with that so yeah that has been a that has been a difficult um difficult period and and something we're still really trying to overcome to be honest just the cost of the added cost of sending stuff to, the, to certain countries, um, which I think all, all brands are probably struggling with now.
0: But from a financial point of view, I mean, obviously, there's been Brexit, there's been COVID, two things that have impacted hugely businesses in terms of cash flow and revenue. Burn rate wise and what it looks like from a cash flow point of view, did you, before all of this happened, have a sustainable business in terms of cash in the bank? Or is that a hindsight and something that you've learned recently?
2: No, no, I think we've always, like I say, we're always been self-funded. We've always had cash in the bank. And, and I could say uh, Andy coming in has helped us budget things and, and make sure that uh, we're in a, a comfortable sort of position. Um, like anyone, I think COVID and Brexit has been difficult. Uh, it, certainly, mm. it certainly has, do you know what I mean? And to be honest, the start of COVID was actually a good thing for us because everyone was at home on their phones um, looking at, Thingy. So I think we were up quite a lot at the initial start of COVID and then it's sort of flipped reverse a wee bit now because everyone's getting to do things that they haven't done for for a year. Do you know what I mean? Going out eating food, going to the cinema and, and things are sort of getting back to normal, which is great. But then that that creates another sort of difficulty for yourself because people aren't on the phones as much anymore and they aren't like uh, in marketing channels that we would use. So you have to sort of be more creative in other areas. But like I say, there's always a there's always a way to to, to attack things and, and look at things as well
0: so so how did you i mean how did you pivot and who pivoted you in the business did you go okay we need to be pumping out content here we need to be looking at these industries these channels these areas or was that your team internally that steered you uh
2: well i think i again because we're quite a close-knit team everyone sort of works together everyone sort of has a has a importance yeah i know the buck stops with me and Stephen and andrew and, 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 and andy as well but um yeah we, we always look to other people's advice like i say we look to um the girls in the business regarding like design and uh, the same with marketing we like how do you feel things are what do you think we can do to to get more people's attention is there is there any avenues that we're not exploring and right now we're looking at sort of uh getting sort of advice from other companies as well with like creative direction or um I think there's a company called MediaCom that we're working with now uh, sort of insights and where our customer is and where they're gonna be and what, what sort of um, form of marketing um they adhere to or like they engage in. So it's all those sort of things that um we're looking at and we're always trying to better ourselves and, and stay on top of um the sort of marketing Platforms
0: that we're on. He's back. Yeah, we're gears. Small issue there. You didn't miss much, though, Stephen. Mark was just saying how he was planning on shifting the business in the next year and, you know, moving out to Barbados. It was the kind of rough plan of action that he had. Yeah. As long
1: as he does and steal my phone, my laptop charger, obviously.
0: Be right. <laughs> it's been a turbulent call, a bit like your football career, but that's fine. We can live with that. <laughs> yeah, I
1: can. Had, I can handle anything after that football. Career. It's been way
2: smoother than his football career. I
0: tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that is saying that is saying something. Um, I was what we were kind of speaking about, Stephen, before you jumped off, um, because he actually died. Was very much around that whole kind of. Um, the role split etc what mark brings and what you bring and you look at the the way that these these companies or your companies specifically can scale when you go internationally and you liken it and i'm sorry to use the analogy but you look at gymshark and what they've done over the last you know couple of years the billion pound valuation now and they've just gone into the stratosphere i mean you guys seem to be scaling pretty well what point is it right for an entrepreneur or a business leader to to bring in outside forces to guide and steer them
1: it's a hard one knowing what the right when the right... Time is to bring someone else because, like up to this point, we've brought in more experienced people to guide us, yes. like on the the day to day running of the business. It's like we we do obviously lack knowledge on how do we get to the next level. Like we always look at like kind of the Gymshark Shark story and mm-hmm. like it was probably very similar. Like start up to to the way we started, just having a passion for what they were doing. And I, I do think looking at they brought in. Certain people along the way to then help them kick on i and I do think that at some point that will happen to us um mm-hmm. I do feel they're obviously a different market very niche with the the gym market Whereas like we're kind of offering like a bit of everything like mm-hmm. a like a lifestyle a lifestyle brand so it's it's maybe do we like know in what direction to take that is like are we better off just continuing what we're doing, or is there a certain department, uh department of our market that we could just really fo- like focus on
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and that's maybe something that we've not quite hit yet but it's something that like we've brought in a certain people like mm-hmm. and we've got like a, a business consultant that that's a way to join on the board um, who's got 25 years in the in advertising world that he's working with us closely in our marketing team just now so hopefully mm-hmm. that that's kind of a progression of where we would like to go
0: it strikes me, though, as you guys really focusing not necessarily on bringing in people that have previously worked in your field and in your industry, but people that have worked heavily in the advertising, the marketing and the content space, for instance, with Mediacom, Mark, that you alluded to, and your board member that's worked in, in the advertising space, Stephen. So why are you focusing so heavily on that and not necessarily on people that have built and sold clothing brands?
1: I'd probably say because we nobody's told us what the right and the wrong thing is to do. I don't think anybody's ever come to us and said, by the way, you need to sell your business in two years' time, just make as much as you can and get it out as quickly as you can. But mm-hmm. I think right right from the beginning, me and Mark have always said we we wanted this company to last for I, I would even say longer than but like when we first started, it was like we don't want it to last for two years, we want it to last for 20 years. Mm-hmm. So probably looking at like the third and fourth year, we were getting approached from like every retailer in the country to to put our product in. And we were very like, oh, it's our baby. Like, if we sell it to you, then you can do what you want with it. Sort of like going to sale whenever you want. And Mm -hmm. we were very, like, protective of what. And maybe looking back, that we pulled out a wholesale completely. And it's maybe something that we probably shouldn't have done. And it's Mm -hmm. something that we've got a sales agent in Manchester who's actively, like, pushing our product in a certain uh, retailers at the moment. So maybe we'll look at, there is good possibility that that's going to increase over the next two years as well
0: so what did wholesale bring to the business back then that that you kind of regret now obviously you're selling it cheaper to people that are going to resell it with a margin and do they take more control over it or what's the connotations there
2: i think it's just because you're online not always people can see the product i think i think people i know that people say the high streets sort of dead or whatever but i do think it it brings that sort of justification for your Mm -hmm. paying that price for your product or somebody sees in a shop like oh that's a good brand it's like it gives you that um sort of i don't know caliber of like a brand being in a shop it's like um people think oh that's a good brand whereas like Mm -hmm. this maybe see it online like who is that or what is that but people when we're in foot asylum or or like on asos People see that and they go, "Oh, that must be a really good brand because it's sitting there." I go in, I see the product, I feel it, and they maybe buy something, and, and then they go, oh, "I wonder what else they've got online." So you're actually gaining customers that maybe wouldn't ever see you online, but go into shops. But then once they've been in the shop to buy your product, then they'll maybe go online to have a look at anything else you offer. So I do think we miss that.
0: But how hard is it to get into the wholesale and the retail world on the high street? You know, if you were going to go to ASOS and you wanted to bang your product in there, they're going to get thousands of people every day asking that.
1: Sure, they do. I think from what we've always done, it's they, they've always approached us. Mm-hmm. So um, it's never been, we've got a sales agent who's actively working through it. We do. We stock about fifty independents down in England, uh, England and Ireland. Mm -hmm. The EU. We did have quite a few in the EU, but Brexit's kind of kind of put the brakes on that sort of thing, Uh, just Mm -hmm. for the export export duties and duties and taxes and stuff like that, additional ones. So, our our sales agent is working on behalf of us. So it's a case of we've got a showroom in Manchester that people buyers are constantly viewing product So. Every time we've got a new collection coming, it's down to Manchester, it's in the showroom, it's set up how we want it. And people can go in and have a look at that if they are they're interested in the
0: product. So scaling's coming up in the future, maybe not exiting per se. Mark, do you want to build a legacy of your business for your for your child, your little one year old? Is that something that you look at and you go, I want my 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 little kid to to look at this in fifteen years time and go, Dad did that?
2: I don't think it's initially what I thought because I didn't have like a child at that point. I just wanted to create something like Probably from a competitive nature at football, I wanted to be the, the best, or I wanted to. I just wanted to create something, and then and then it was like challenges of can I get it there, can I get it there, can I get it there. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's constant challenges of can I get it bigger. Like you, you look at Jim Shark and you're inspired by them. Like yeah. can can, they, can we do that? Do you know what I mean? And I know it's in a totally different field when we're not really competing with them, but. It is a, it is something that you look at and go, oh, that's a, an amazing thing they've done. Why can't we do that? And mm-hmm. you, you are competing with your yourself and other people to, to sort of get better all the time.
0: Mm-hmm. So, Mark, what does success physically look like to you?
2: That's a very I, it's a hard question to answer. Do you know what I mean? I think people have asked me that in the past, like, oh, does does it look like this? Or if mm-hmm. you turn over a hundred million, does it look like? That? I don't I don't really know. I think success is just i get it, probably from football it's like we just try to get better all the time if if the if we did that and the product got worse i, I wouldn't be happy with that do you know what I, mean? I want i want always want to make the product better i want to make the brand look better i want the turnover to be better i just want everything to be getting
1: better all the time
0: positive positive growth and stephen i've given you all of about a minute there to think of your answer so what does success look like for you <laughs> i'd
1: probably just say like being happy and stuff like that being happy and having a bit of freedom and I always, I always enjoy like going to work and people seeing people happy with their mm-hmm. jobs. Like I hate to people think, Oh, I've got to go to work today. Like I don't, I still get that feeling on a a Sunday night of going, I, I don't ever want to experience like, Oh, I've got to go to work tomorrow. When I actually go, it gets to the Sunday night. It's like, oh, I'm going to the office tomorrow. Yeah. It's going to be good fun. we have got that. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And I would love, I would love the staff to have that attitude as well. Do they? I, I'd hope so. <laughs>
0: but in, in terms of building a company culture how do you do that it's not that easy to do
2: i think it just comes from our enthusiasm a little bit do you know what i mean yeah. me and stephen are so enthusiastic about the product so enthusiastic about the brand and, and we try and be in the the, the building all the time to, to to have that enthusiasm rub off to like like drew and and andy and then the managers and then mm-hmm. that filters down from the managers down to the staff as well and like I say, we we we're very positive about the brand. We, we love it. We like Stephen says. We buzz to go to work every so every day, really, and mm-hmm. um and we take pride in everything we do. So and we want it to be the best. And so I think like. The people that we work directly with have got that enthusiasm, do you know what I mean, like the, the, the girls in the design team and the garment team, they've definitely got that enthusiasm for, because when they they help make that product and then they see it sell and they're like, they get a massive buzz off that and then the marketing team, we want them to be creating amazing contacts, content, stories so when they see that in a marketing campaign or online or on a billboard, they're like, wow, that was, I, I contributed to that and they get a sense of like achievement, so that's what i want everyone to feel
0: and in terms of the people that are going to buy the product where can they go to find be the brand where can they go is it asos is it your website influencer marketing what does that look like
1: we've always been a direct consumer uh business like directing people from our social media ads to yeah. our website um i think that that will be at the forefront that will continue with the the five-year plan is we would like to increase the wholesale so that that people can go to the store so there's there's an avenue for everybody can actually do it. Not everybody shops online. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is maybe running a wholesale business. I actually don't shop, uh, running an online business. I actually don't shop online like that. I am more now because of COVID Mm -hmm. potentially, but I was very much, if I wanted clothes, I would like to go to the stores and try it on and make sure it fit me right. Um, I do think the model has changed over the last uh, 18 months to two years. Mm -hmm. But um, again, it's like, it is having those these touch points for everybody. Yeah. Um if it is stores, if it is just online, um it is people seeing footballers wearing the product or it is seeing actors wearing the product or musicians. It's it's just having as many touch points as possible for our brand. I think that's the plan going forward.
2: I think we like it being majority online is because we can tell the story of the brand as well. Like this is this is our brand. This is how we want the brand to look. But this is the story, really. So when people see all our marketing or when they come online, they kind of get an idea of what the brand looks like or stands for. Was we would like that to be the majority rather than shops take it and, and they maybe change the the change the story or the image of the brand. So I think that's maybe what we're rightly or wrongly we've been a bit protective of.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know whether that's necessarily a bad thing. But I suppose time will tell and you look exploring going back into wholesale in the future. And for people that want to get into uh, into business, maybe not necessarily into football, but into business, how do they go about doing that? What's the best thing for a startup person or an individual entrepreneur to do?
1: I, I would probably say research, they have to do, yeah. their, do their research on, on what they're getting into. And I would always say that anybody wants to start a business, it doesn't matter if it's a plumbing business or a fashion business or uh whatever it may be you have to have a passion for it i think if you've not got a passion for what you're doing then it's pointless mm-hmm. it's
2: almost like it almost needs to be, just not be a business that- eh? it almost needs to be yeah. like not a business don't think of it like it. i'm sure some people do so i'm starting this business but like we started as a hobby and, and it was something we we're passionate and we love doing it and it grew into a business that we could sustain and and, and live off but like Stephen says I think having a passion for something because eventually it's going to become something that that you need to do all the time and you need to put all your effort into and see if you don't have that passion I just don't know if you're going to put a hundred percent into it like or it's not going to be as easy anyway
0: no indeed and we put 100% into this podcast even with the trials and tribulations the fact that we went on six different devices to make this thing work but we got there in the end but boys thanks ever so much for for jumping on the podcast those that want to go and buy the product what's your website how can they find it
1: uh the website's
0: beinspiredclothing.com
1: and uh, you'll also find this across social media on facebook page and instagram
0: twitter spot on thanks guys appreciate it super cheers mate thank you very much for having thanks. us thanks thanks oliver Thanks for listening to this episode. For more information, check out the description where you can find exclusive video snippets on my YouTube channel, as well as contact details and links. If you've enjoyed this episode, please show your support as always by subscribing. If you or someone you know should be on the show, please email me via oliver at pinpoint-media.co.uk and I promise I'll get back to you. Remember, there's never a good time to start a business, but in business, you should always have a good time. Take care. Success in the Mind is proud to be sponsored by Coronation Wealth Management, a professional service providing tailored financial advice to business owners, entrepreneurs, managers and clients looking to grow and protect their wealth or reach their financial goals. The team at Coronation Wealth provides services including retirement, investment, protection and business planning. To find out more, go to coronationwealth.co.uk. This podcast is supported by our media partner, Blocks & PR, who represent some of the most powerful brands within the luxury lifestyle and fashion sector. Go and check them out at blocksandpr.com.